Welcome to This Week in California Education, brought to you by EdSource Radio. I'm John Fensterwald, editor-at-large at EdSource, and our executive director, Louis Friedberg, is out of town and joining us by phone. Hello, Louis. Good to be here, John. Glad we could make this work. Well, you know, it's the start of a new year, but education issues and controversies rarely are resolved by midnight on December 31st. Well, John, as you have done every year, you made some bold predictions for the coming year. And I thought we could just start off with what you think is going to happen at the Supreme Court level and what this coming year holds in store for particularly teachers and particularly teachers in California. Well, we're mentioning the U.S. Supreme Court because a critical issue for public employee unions will be going to the court in the spring and it will have a tremendous impact on California Teachers Association in particular and and public unions in California. And that is the Supreme Court will decide whether or not public employees, teachers and the like, have to pay fees to their unions that represent them. Didn't this issue come up before? You're right. It did two years ago. And a case from California, Rebecca Friedrichs, as a teacher and others, challenged the obligation. They said it's a violation of their First Amendment, their free speech rights, that they had to pay fees to the CTA. And it was heard by the Supreme Court, and it looked like the court was going to, in fact, rule with Rebecca Friedrichs. But Antonin Scalia had a heart attack in January of 2016, so that left a four-to-four deadlock, and the court never really resolved that. So now there's a new lawsuit, and the court will hear it again, and it's very likely that Neil Gorsuch, the new Supreme Court appointee by President Trump, will vote with the other conservatives for conservatives, and it will likely overturn this obligation. When could we expect to hear the ruling on this case? Well, the Supreme Court will hear that case in March, I believe, and then it will decide by the end of its term in June. And so this will, you know, anticipating that, in fact, that's how the court's going to rule, it really puts a, the CTA in a quandary because it has to decide, you know, what's the strategy going to be for keeping its members paying the dues because some predict they could lose as many as a third of its members if they don't have to pay their fees and dues. And also will then determine for CTA, should we spend a lot of money? How much money can we spend on the state superintendent's race and how much for the governor's race? And of course, this doesn't just affect teachers. It's going to affect all public employee unions. So this is a high stakes case. Let me just move on to another major issue that's uh, on the federal level that's simmering. And that has to do with what is going to happen to the so-called DACA Dream Act students. This is something that Congress has to decide by March as to whether to extend their exemption from deportation. John, what was your prediction? Well, my prediction was it's likely that Republicans and Democrats in Congress will reach some accommodation on this, obviously with President Trump, I think, going along, because the site, the Imagine thousands potentially of college students and young workers losing their jobs and being deported would be extremely disruptive. And I think a campaign issue that the Democrats, in fact, could capitalize on this fall. But there's no sign yet and there, that there is a, going to be a deal. And President wants his wall built on the Mexican border, and he's throwing that into it. And his base will oppose any accommodation. So it's going to be a tough issue. How about you, Lewis? What do you think? I think 
They're going to come up with something, but it's going to be right come right down to the wire. I know Lindsey Graham, Senator Lindsey Graham, uh, recently was pushing to Congress to say, let's deal with this in January, get this off the table. But uh, Congress has until March to act. As we all know, it takes Congress, uh, they, they usually take up all the time they need. And often, even then, they miss the deadline. But in this case, I think it'll be down to the wire. But I think that there will be some agreement on DACA. And John, while we're on the federal level and uh, the Trump administration, interestingly, California is now in a bit of a battle with the uh, Department of Education because the department, under the leadership of Betsy DeVos, has raised a number of questions about the plan that California submitted as it's required to under the Every Student Succeeds Act as to how it's going to spend its federal dollars and how it's going to measure progress with its lowest performing schools. Do you think the conflict, or it's not really a conflict at this point, but the disagreements, the issues that the Department of Education raised will be resolved in an amicable way? Or do you think this will develop into a bigger conflict? That's a good question. I said my prediction was that, in fact, California would be denied its application by the uh, Department of Education, in fact, will sue the federal government. The state board is really insistent, and the uh, Governor Brown and State Superintendent Tom Twilix in that California has its own distinct way of improving schools using the what we've talked about, the California School Dashboard, which is a distinct way of rating schools in a number of, of factors. And they're really insistent that this is the way the state wants to go. The state wants to leave the decisions on improvement and setting goals up to local districts. And so far, the federal government seems to imply in this initial letter that they don't like the dashboard. They don't like the way it works. They don't like the way the the lack of specificity on goals. They don't like the fact that the state has not dealt with the issue of unqualified teachers, which the Every Student Succeeds Act requires states to do it if large percentages of underqualified or unqualified teachers are teaching disproportionately, teaching low-income students. They want the state to do something. The initial state plan didn't do anything, so we'll see if they add it or whether they uh, fight this issue. Well, this is very interesting because California actually had numerous conflicts with the Obama administration, which really was trying to tell California what it should be doing and California pushed back. And there was some feeling or great expectations that uh, under the Trump administration, one of the unexpected outcomes would be that there would be less conflict with the federal government because the Every Student Succeeds Act really does devolve power to the states. I mean, that's the heart of that new uh, legislation. It is interesting to see that um, we have this conflict uh, so early on with the Trump administration as well. So that will be the state board's argument, which is to say, hey, this is a new law. You promised us flexibility. We're exercising flexibility that we think is appropriate. And now you're saying no. I do think we should make mention of the fact that this really is a big change this year in education reform, at least on the K-12 level, that this year really signals the end of the no child left behind formula, at least in its very crude, top-down, sanctions-heavy approach to school accountability, that we are really moving into a new era where states have a lot more control, the federal government is going to exercise less control, 
and uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how this all evolves and also it does send kind of a salutary note about the whole way reform gets implemented that for 15 years we had this very top-down approach to school reform and suddenly that's more or less out the window and we're trying something different. We're going to have to see when we will be watching very closely at EdSource to see whether this is more effective than uh, the No Child Left Behind accountability regimen. So the dilemma for California, which is to say it didn't like No Child Left Behind, didn't like the test-heavy orientation, didn't like the prescriptions that the federal government gave California and other states to do. But the question is, then what? And that is the question that a lot of folks in California are looking at. We know we've switched. We're switching to a different system. Ultimately, how do we measure improvement of schools and is it going to work? And I think that's, putting it mildly, still a work in progress. And there is uncertainty and it may be a number of years before we actually can determine whether it's working. Well, let me ask you about another prediction and that is the issue of teacher tenure. There's been pressure over the last several years to extend the time it takes for teachers to get tenure or what's actually more technically called permanent status from two years to three years. Uh, What's your sense of where that's going to go this year? Is it still going to be on the agenda in the legislature? Yes, it will. It's one of these perennial issues that seem to continue to appear year after year. And Assemblywoman Shirley Weber introduced a bill which would have extended the length of probation from two years to three. California is one of the few states now where you can get tenure, which is to say uh, certain legal rights after two years. She's saying it should be a third year because it's two years are too short. And it looked like it was going to pass in the assembly, but then it bogged down and she withdrew the bill. And she got into an argument with Tony Thurman, Assemblyman from Richmond, who is also happens to be running for state superintendent of public instruction. Now, I think there's going to be a compromise this year because otherwise it's going to be a big issue in the campaign. And I don't think Tony Thurman wants tenure to be a big issue in this in his campaign. I think finally we're going to get at least a third year of tenure this year. It's, I could be wrong. What do you think, Lewis? I disagree with you, John. I can't see during an election year at a time when the teachers' union faces such a major threat from the Supreme Court and the loss of power and influence in California that they would agree to weakening of teacher tenure laws in California. I think they're going to hold the line on that, and I, I can't see that happening in California, at least not this coming year. You may be right, and I promise our readers that I will come back next year and See who's right on that, Lewis, when I write next year's predictions column. One thing we can predict is that there's going to be a lot of ferment with the teachers' unions this year, and I think there's going to be a lot of job actions and impasses on their contract leading up to, but not, in fact, leading to strikes. But it's going to be a difficult year between boards and unions in reaching their contracts this year. And we're all going to be looking at Los Angeles Unified, where the UTLA, United Teachers Los Angeles, is threatening to strike if they can't resolve some really big money issues down there. Why do you think there's going to be more labor ferment this year than last year? For several reasons, Lewis. The pensions costs are rising that districts are facing. That's, that's one reason. Second reason, I think unions have to be relevant to their members. They have to say, look, we're fighting for you. And in fact, we can be effective by 
threatening, reaching an impasse, going to an arbitration and saying, we're going to strike if we don't get what we want. I don't think most are going to strike, but I think that's going to be a tactic and it's just going to be a difficult year on the bargaining table in 2018. Well, one thing that might help ease the way for some people is that uh, marijuana will be legal, at least for anyone over the age of 21. <laughs> so that may be one way that people will be able to relieve their stress around some of these issues. Well, Lewis, are you suggesting that uh, superintendents and unions do marijuana at the negotiating table, try and reach a deal? No, actually, John, I, I don't want to encourage anything in particular, anything that could conflict with federal law, which is still a major issue out there, how that's going to affect what happens here in California. Well, then what impact do you think that the new uh, legalization of marijuana in California will have on California's teenagers? Well, I think that's a question, uh, whether it's, uh, and, and, and policymakers and, and uh, health practitioners are kind of debating this right now as to whether the legalization of marijuana for adults will lead to increased use among teenagers. And I have to say, the evidence for this is somewhat equivocal. Only four other states have legalized marijuana for recreational purposes, and one of the studies showed that in Colorado there was no, no increase amongst teenagers in usage after they legalized it there. But in Washington state, usage did increase, particularly amongst 8th and 10th graders, which is somewhat disturbing. My prediction is that with legalization, I just think it's inevitable that there's going to be a lot more marijuana available and that uh, it will make it a lot easier for teenagers to get their hands on the stuff. And I think it's inevitable that there will be an increase in usage. And I think one of the things that the health folks say is that what you really need to accompany legalization with is very strong education programs that do show what impact uh, use or overuse of marijuana has on health, cognitive performance, and so on. Yeah, I agree. There's a heavy burden on health educators now because students will come in and say, well, wait a minute, my parents just bought some cookies and brought it in the house and now you know, it's okay in my house, so why are you preaching all this in school? One of the things that I think people don't realize is that a lot of the products uh, that are out there are, are more powerful than used to be the case in the old days when teen, teens I'd say, hey, well, you smoked it when you were my age. Uh, but um, and some, particularly the gummy bear type things and other products are, you know, can be pretty powerful. Well, Lewis, before we get back into those good old days, let's wrap it up this week. Well, in any case, John, I think we've run out of time. So that wraps it up for this week in California education. Thanks to our producer, Sarah Tan, and to the S.D. Bechtel Jr. Foundation for sponsoring this podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next week. <laughs>